I think an important thing in any learning strategy or any learning method that we use is to do what we want to do. Hi there, Steve Kaufman here. Uh, today I want to talk about my strategy for learning Arabic. And remember, if you enjoy my videos, please subscribe, click on the bell for notifications. And if you follow me on, uh, follow me on a podcast service, please leave a review. So Arabic. Arabic spoken by, I don't know, 350, 400 million people in the world, an area of the world that's often in the news. I was very motivated to learn Arabic, but I've been at it for a, quite a while and I'm probably not doing that well. And uh, so I want to go over my strategy and things that uh, maybe have changed in my strategy and maybe my experience can be helpful to other people. Uh, I will show you in my statistics at link when I started with Arabic. Uh, I will show you that I started Arabic in April of 2018, that uh, not long thereafter I also started learning Persian, and not long after that I started learning Turkish. So I had this strategy of learning three major languages of the Middle East. Uh, my motivation was, like I started with Hebrew because my wife and I were visiting. In fact, I did Greek and Hebrew because we were going to visit Crete and Israel. Then I went to Jordan and I said there's a lot more Arabic speakers, so I went and, and decided to learn Arabic. Then I came home and discovered that in Vancouver we have so many Iranian immigrants here, so I decided to learn Persian at the same time. Uh, and then my wife was watching this Turkish miniseries on Netflix, so I said, why don't I go after these three major languages of the Middle East? Um, I dropped Turkish uh, because written in the Latin alphabet, it's in fact easier for me. A major obstacle in my Arabic learning is the writing system. It's simply so difficult for the brain to get used to a different writing system. So I decided to focus on Persian and Arabic, both of which use the Arabic script. Then the other problem, of course, with Arabic is that there is standard Arabic, which nobody speaks as a native language, but which is the language used in, you know, education, in, in political discussions on, you know, television, podcasts and so forth. Uh, most things are written in standard Arabic, but if you go to Lebanon or Syria or Egypt, not to mention Morocco or Iraq or the Persian Gulf, uh, people speak various forms of Arabic. And so I initially had the strategy of focusing my Arabic uh, effort on standard Arabic. Uh, but then more recently I decided because the movies are all from Lebanon or from Egypt or sometimes from the Gulf, uh, and, and of course that's the language that people speak, that is the conversational language. So I said I should try to learn those as well. So I had a tutor in uh, Egyptian Arabic, in fact, yeah, one. And we have, at link, we have a number of resources in both Levantine and Egyptian Arabic. Uh, but what I found after a while is that by trying to speak Egyptian Arabic with my Egyptian Arabic tutor, in the end, I end up not being able to speak anything. Uh, and so I had this experience the other day, and this is what sort of triggered my decision to change my strategy, which I'm coming to. Um, so I was actually cleaning my deck because my deck, I have a big wooden deck. I get a lot of, uh, you know, moss growing on it. So I actually bought a power washer, a great power washer. It took me quite a while to assemble it, but uh, it works. Uh, and in the middle of doing that, I said, I'm going to go down. I wasn't confident the power washer would do the job. I'm going to buy some vinegar 
and I'm going to scrub the deck as well with vinegar. And then I said, I'll drop by. There's an area where there's like three Persian uh, stores. One is a guy who fixes his electronic equipment. And then there's a little place where they sell kebabs. And then there's a coffee shop. And there's a little patio in between of them, the three of them. So I go there. So I walk into the coffee shop and, I, and it's got the same name as the kebab shop. And I said, are you connected? Yes. So can I eat here? Yes. And then I said, salam, expecting to speak Persian. But she was from Lebanon. So we spoke Arabic. And I couldn't say anything in Levantine Arabic. Basically, what came out was my standard Arabic. And she was very happy with my Arabic. She told other people, of course, they're always very nice to you that how well I speak Arabic, which isn't true, of course. But I was surprised at how much I could say in standard Arabic, even though I had left it and was trying to learn Egyptian Arabic. Now, just as a matter of interest, uh, people who walked into that, uh, oh, and this lady who was originally from Lebanon had lived in China, but she didn't speak Chinese. She'd lived in Sweden, so he spoke in Swedish. And she had some connection with Russian, which I don't know, but she spoke Russian. And lo and behold, some Persian people came in and we spoke Persian. And then another person came in from Moldova and we spoke Russian. So I had a whole, oh, and there was another gentleman sitting there who had lived in Korea and wanted to learn languages. And I persuaded him to join Link. I had a great time. But I walked away from that saying, the language, the Arabic language that I've spent the most time with, the Arabic language that I can actually say something in is standard Arabic. I not, now know enough of Egyptian Arabic and Levantine Arabic that some of the things, you know, that they do, so it's, you know, Ashan Haik, Ashan Haik, Ashan Keda, uh, you know, the Levantines say she at the end of a sentence instead of uh, hal at the beginning to introduce a question, uh, you know, Diluati or Alatul or all these things in Egyptian uh, or in Levantine. I know enough of them now that I can understand better if someone is kind of speaking mostly Fusa but mixing in a lot of dialect or a lot of regional variations. So I've kind of achieved what I hope to achieve, but I'm going to go back to speaking standard Arabic, mixing in a bit of Egyptian or Levantine, depending on the situation, hoping to understand. And very often we pick up from other people. So if I'm speaking to someone and I'm sort of mixing in, it's a bit like my Portuñol. If I mix in a bit of Egyptian or Levantine, but stick to what I know, I think that's going to enable me to communicate. So my strategy where I've said, initially I said, you know, stay with Fusa because I can listen to podcasts. Then I said, no, I'm going to learn, <laughs> you know, Egyptian or Levantine and put some effort into both of those. And now I'm saying those are good for comprehension and I'll mix some of those expressions in, but basically I'm going to stay with um, standard Arabic. So I think an important thing in any learning strategy or any learning method that we use is to do what we want to do. The only thing that really matters in language learning is the attitude of the learner and the time we put in. So some people like flashcards, some people like Anki, some people like uh, Duolingo. It doesn't matter. As long as you enjoy what you're doing, you will improve. As long as you're putting in the time, you'll do fine. So on that basis, and, and we can change. I can think that my eye should be doing this in Arabic and then I change my mind. The other thing I would do now is I would not attempt three languages at the same time. Uh, because it means you're going to be slowed down in each one of them. On the other hand, I have a sense of Persian. I can actually converse in Persian. I can kind of converse in Arabic. 
and I have a s- bit of a sense of what Turkish is all about. And whatever I have put into those languages, it's not lost. Because if I go back to my Turkish, which is the, now the weakest of the three, very quickly will I get back to where I was, and then I can take it forward. So it, it's not a, it, I didn't make a mistake by sort of dissipating my energies. It just meant that I didn't get as far in any one of them as I would have been able to do had I focused on just one. So, and I'm going to leave you with a little walkthrough of my statistics at Link so that you'll see, you know, what the history has been of my uh, learning uh, of, those, of those languages. And after that, uh, I will leave a couple of videos that you can go to uh, to see, you know, my Arabic uh, three years ago and then two years ago, maybe four years ago and two years ago. Okay, thank you for listening. Bye for now. Well, I thought I'd have a look at uh, what I've been doing in Arabic. This is my Arabic page at Link as it looks right now. I've kind of been bouncing around. I've been importing some articles. I've been looking at my Jordanian cartoons. Uh, I watched a bit of this Egyptian movie. Then I go back to my mini stories in standard Arabic. I've also done my mini stories in Egyptian Arabic a little bit in it doesn't show here, but in, in Levantine Arabic as well. And uh, so I'm kind of uh, a bit at loose ends here, as I've explained in my video. But let's just look at, at my history. So I think you know that if you click on your, or you can even, you know, do it this way, hit the down arrow, you got to get to your profile and you can see what your history has been. So you can see that I haven't been that active this, these past seven days. However, if I go to my all-time statistics, I can see that I started poking around at Arabic uh, around the end of 2017. If I look at known words, if I look at known words, if I look at links created, I actually started, I guess, you know, poking around in 2017, but really my major effort was early in 2018. That was uh, a major spurt in Arabic. Um, and I've gone through phases, as I said, be, uh, between my major initial effort, effort in Fusa and more recently trying to get a, a, a bit of an exposure to uh, Levantine and Egyptian Arabic. Now, uh, you'll see this date, 2018, 2018 April. If I look at uh, my situation in, first of all, I, the first Semitic language I started with was Hebrew. Uh, because I was going to eat uh, to Israel and I put some effort into Hebrew but when my wife and I ended up going to Jordan and I realized that actually there's a lot more Arabic speakers then I dropped Hebrew entirely I may go back to it but uh, so I started into my uh, Arabic and then I came back to Vancouver and lo and behold there's far more Persian speakers here so again here by about you know the I guess the, the beginning of 2019, I was putting more effort into Persian than into Arabic. And so I've kind of kept my Persian activities going alongside my Arabic. If I go back to where my Arabic was, you'll see that I've kind of kept them both going going simultaneously. The other thing that I did was I decided to, you know, I'm interested in the Middle East and my wife is watching series on Netflix in Turkey, Turkish, so by the middle of 2019, I put a three-month stint into learning Turkish. So a lot of distraction from 
my Arabic learning. Uh, so I just wanted to show you that as a sort of um, some background to uh, what I uh, was talking about in my um, video on my Arabic learning strategy. And, and uh, you know, I will leave you with two videos that you can watch to see how well I did at two different stages in my Arabic learning.